And welcome back to another episode of the Fit Method Podcast. This is our June Q&A episode. I don't even know how many episodes have been to this, this point. 18, 19, something We're like. almost at that very um, crucial threshold of 20 or more. That's the... We're beating the odds at that point, right? That's right. Yeah. Well, welcome back, Gary. And uh, we've also got a fellow colleague and coach, Grant Ballard, returning with us as well. So um, I've got like seven or eight questions. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, the, the first one uh, is, is one that we get a lot uh, from parents. And um, this one has to do with children participating in weightlifting. So should children or adolescents participate in weightlifting and strength training activities for fitness purposes? Absolutely. And I always, people get confused by that because back in the day, it was sort of a misnomer that don't do weightlifting because why? Why do we all, why do they say it? Because it's going to stunt, stunt, stunt growth. growth. Listen, if your kid's on the field six, seven, eight days a week, I'm, I'm joking about the eight days, but you know, multiple times during the week and they're having to decelerate and be powerful and all these different things. If their body can handle that, then it's certainly ready to hand, handle weightlifting. And I would say, when we say weightlifting, I don't necessarily mean heavy, heavy back squats, but there needs to be a strength and mobility component. It prevents injury. It enhances performance. How young is too young? If they're playing sports, even if they're a gymnast and they're doing gymnastics five days a week, they're ready to do some level of training. Obviously, the person has to be qualified to work with youth athletes and understand that they're still their growth plates are still forming, those type of things. But if they can play sports, they, they absolutely can and should be doing strength training. I think same answer, but I think like even more so to the point where that person needs to know what they're doing. Like I, I think the average run of the mill trainer, nothing against them, but if they don't have experience with that at all, they're just going to have that kid doing whatever they think is good. And you have to be able to know how to scale it back Agreed. for that. So it's not that the, that kid can't do the movement that like the same 30 year old would do, but you have to know how to scale it for that kid. Um, like I did a, I did an internship last summer or the summer before summer before at uh, up in Harrisburg it's a weightlifting club like Olympic weightlifting and he had he had his own son I mean it's his own son but he had a nine-year-old in there doing yeah. weightlifting yeah. he's not doing 300 pound clean yeah. and jerks you know he's not trying to but he's still doing a movement that the average 40 year old can't even do yeah so it just I think it just depends on how that person scales it as long as they can scale it well, like you said, Gary, it's preventing injury. I think a lot of parents are worried that their kid might get injured sure. doing strength training. And Grant's point is correct. They could. Right. If they are not to throw football coaches under the bus, but there's certain schools and organizations where the football coach is running the strength conditioning for all the athletes, doesn't always apply to a baseball player. You know, I've had a baseball player who had a pars fracture in the vertebrae because he was training too heavy with a football coach. This is a few years ago. He needed different stuff. So... It has to be good strength conditioning with the right coach. Absolutely. And, and your friend that we had on uh, to talk about Olympic weightlifting, he even, even butcher, he even said the same thing, you know, like a bad coach could get you injured, but, especially in that. But, yes. But that's not necessarily a dangerous sport when you're getting coached properly. It's one of the least dangerous sports when right. coached properly. Yeah. And that's not age dependent either. Nope. You can get hurt at 40 with somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. The ability like, to scale is crucial for an eight year old. And a 78-year-old, yeah. right? Understanding, again, not to throw any quote-unquote trainers under the bus. We're not better than anybody. It's just a different approach to things, right? So you have to be able to scale it to regress and progress when it's time. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately, I think the athletes that started younger are way better off than the ones that waited till college. You got these basically kids like 
coming into freshman year, they're like Bambi because they have no movement literacy. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. Uh, so a lot of our clients that we've seen s- sort of this summer, not a lot of them, but many of them, I would say, they're not athletes per se, but they're going off to college and they their parents know they're going to do weightlifting with their buddies, the bro lifts. Yep. And they want them to learn the right way. You're training a couple of brothers like that, Grant is, where he was doing lifting, but I think he was doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And his mm-hmm. mom was like, I want him to learn the right way, knowing that he's going to go back to school with the bros and who knows. So yeah, it's really important to teach him. That's awesome. Yeah. Number two, what are the potential risks of overtraining in fitness? When do you guys want to take point in that? I'm, I'd, I'd love to talk about that first, but let me not go first. Everything. <laughs> I mean, really. Like, I mean, the list is long, but I mean, the most obvious I think anybody would agree with is just any kind of injury. It's Always. like if you're just, you know, if you're just doing anything for like way too long with no break in between. You're just you're gonna get hurt at some point. It's just bound to happen, and if it doesn't happen then, it'll happen later because you'll have a compound effect. Um, but not just physical, like like I, and I've experienced it myself back in college. Like mentally, you just get fried. You're like your immune system just does not ever have a chance to recoup, and you just are like you just shut down. Like your body just shuts down. So those those are the big two for me. It's just I mean physical. I think anybody could agree with that, but even more so like on a mental aspect, like. You just your body doesn't know what to do if it's always under some sort of like stressful stimulus. I mean, there's a hormonal response to that sometimes, big time, right? Female athletes and male athletes have different. I mean, why do we train? In the, I always like to get back to the why of things. Why do we train in the first place? It's to feel better, move better, look better, right? Overtraining doesn't allow you to do any of those things. You start to lose muscle mass. You start to gain body fat. Your cortisol levels are high. Like you said, your joints start to hurt. Your your one bad move from tearing your knee, God forbid. And you do feel almost like depressed. Mm-hmm. It feels like like depression. So it's under recovery, aka overtraining, is definitely uh, something we have to watch out for. And that, as coaches, we have to be able to identify that with our clients. Because a lot of times they think that more is better, and a lot of times it's the exact opposite. We find. Yeah, I was going to use the exact same word under recovery. Yeah, because um, I don't think there's necessarily an overtraining threshold for people. I think they just mm-hmm. don't balance. It's it's the minimum effective dose. Yeah, is what what it comes down to. Yeah. That we see. Agreed. Yeah. But, I mean, there's a m- myriad of risks. Um, it's not good. We're just going to, we can just all agree it's really yeah. terrible. <laughs> yeah. The average person can get away, can still make the gains they want with far less of what they're doing if they just gave it a shot. Like, the average person doesn't need to be going in and doing something terribly structured for, like, six days a week heavy. And I think that's where, when, 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 we, when you tell people that they need to rest more, they get this idea, and usually it's dudes, but they get this idea of they need to be in the gym doing this, 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 and this six days a week. Like, Truthfully, you can probably get away with whatever goal you're trying to hit unless you're like a professional bodybuilder on gear like by just doing like four days a week. Yeah. It's interesting. The exact thing. So one of my clients, you know, those two, uh, I, I train mostly one daughter, but I train her older sister sometimes to tennis athletes. Natasha. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So on the they, weekends, typically. Yes, they go to Russia in the summertime. So I'm training their parents and that has an exercise science degree. That's not what he does now, but he has the background. He's like, Gary, things have really changed. I, you know, back in the day I used to work out. He said exactly six <laughs> days a week for two hours. I said, well, you're probably doing a bodybuilding style lift. I was like, tell me, sir, what was your schedule? Like, yeah, school and working out and hanging out. Okay. What about now? He's like, I got the dog. I got the family. I mean, he went through the whole thing. I'm like, and he's like, Oh, okay. He's like, I don't, I don't have the time. I was right. like, yeah, you don't have the time to recover like that young man. Plus you're older, but also it's the under recovery. So, yeah, what you said is is nail on the head, bro. And he realizes, okay, I can't do what I did back then, but I still want to feel better. What's the 
minimum effective dose. So yeah, real life example. Less is more is the answer there. Yeah. Yeah. No, number three, what are some precautions or contraindications to consider before using either a sauna or an ice bath? I think you should take point in on that one. <laughs> well, it's kind of fortunately, thick. I brought a uh, reference guide here. Um, it's a solid. Yeah, this is like an encyclopedia. It's by Dr. James DeNicola Antonio. Yeah. He's quoted on Instagram all the time. For he good, is. And for good reason. Yeah. Well, he, he's got a short little snippet yes. on, on the sauna piece. The short answer is that 15 to 30 minute sessions, two to four times a week is the recommended dose for sauna. But he said, let me see here to, to facilitate thermal hormesis. I think he might have used, used a similar word earlier. You need to stimulate hyperthermia, which is around 99.5 degrees to 100.5 degrees. So that's internal body temperature. Mm-hmm. And to achieve that, those sessions need to be between 70 degrees Celsius and 100 degrees Celsius or 156 to 212 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's the short answer. But he said minimum effective dose is the where, place that you would start. So the minimum dose would yeah. be two times a week for 15 minutes But So each. who would you caution against that type of thing then? What kind of potential health issues prior into, like, would you, like, if they have heart issues, I'd be careful. If they're very, you know, morbidly obese, I they should be doing stuff prior. The sauna is something they should work up towards, I think. Yeah. So well, it's good, but it's not good for everybody. Well, and any athlete that's training outdoors a lot that yeah. would already be prone to being dehydrated. Absolutely. Would be f- for the sauna piece. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you have to know always, we don't live in a vacuum, we're training in a vacuum. What are the extenuating factors? If the athlete's been outside in the summer in Charlotte, sweating, 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 you're like, all right, Grant's like, well, he wouldn't do it, but I'm saying, I'm like, all right, go, go in the sauna now. Coach, I, I'm... I feel kind of thirsty. Here. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like I need like a like an IV. Is the sauna the right thing? Because all the coaches said that. It's like ninety five and humid down here underneath the Mason Dixon line. So. Did we lose a light? So I don't know. Maybe we did. Temporary loss of uh, light. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it's not actually the lighting's fine. We lost the bulb. bulb. Okay, the bulb's gone. <laughs> I was wondering what was going. Yeah. Technical difficulties. Anyways, we're um, good, we're good, we're good. one of the one of the things you also mentioned. In an average 30-minute sauna session, you'll lose about a half a teaspoon of salt, which is about 1,000 milligrams of sodium. So you're losing the equivalent of like a LMNT? Basically. Yeah. One yeah, of, a whole stick. A, yeah. a whole one of those. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's just for 30 minutes. Imagine some people doing, are already deficient. Yeah, yeah. So now they're going to go do Yeah. So you got to be careful. You know, we, we speak in absolutes, especially with the proliferation of the internet and social media. Like, if you do sauna for this amount of time and then go right into a cold plunge for this amount of time, it's going to take care of all of your problems. We don't know that. It's, it's definitely got its place. Like, everything has its place. So we're always careful not to speak in absolutes. Yeah. On the ice bath part, he's yeah. I, I, he didn't talk about it necessarily in this book, but I've heard um, Huberman mention. 11 minutes, right? 11 minutes. A week. A week. Collectively 11 minutes. Correct. Yeah. Maximum. Yeah. And if you're going to do it before exercise, no more than about a minute. And what is it? You need to have at least four hours after exercise. Otherwise, you slow down the gains. Correct. Yeah. So it, it will de- deter hypertrophy Correct. response. So you're trying to get the, swole. the ability to build muscle for, for those unfamiliar. Okay. Number, number four. Are there any specific recovery techniques, tools that can help with reducing muscle soreness? money i know you love working on mobility we all do but that's one of your passions um any kind of mobility i think but i i like like hypervolts like any kind of impact gun but i'm i'm really big on too like 
if if I do a workout, whatever that day may be, and the next couple of days, like my legs are sore, I like just anything that will get blood flow back to that body part. So not necessarily going back in and doing a whole other set of squats, but if I come in to work out, I might get on the bike for a few minutes instead to warm up, and that'll just be part of my warm up is just getting blood flow back to my legs or whatever that body part may be. Like chest, I might do some banded something. I don't know, just something to get blood flow to that body part. It doesn't have to be intense. It doesn't have to be an actual exercise. You can go for a walk if it's just your day off or something. But Oh, you always mention the, uh, the concentric you know, just small, like the bike. Just It's not essentially loaded. You're not getting yep. your hammies torn up, but it's getting the blood back into the muscles. It's better to do that than just kind of gingerly walk around and try, you know, it definitely yep. helps to get, uh, We I think we all agree that massage guns have their place when properly used um, or foam rolling. I love banded distraction work. I think that's very helpful for the shoulders and like the ball and socket joints. Um, any combination of those things. And then if done correctly, <laughs> sauna and Cold plunge potentially, right? That's part of the whole thing if done correctly. What do you think? Uh, I was going to add um, sleep would be oh, yeah. huge here because um, we're under Almost. underslept. Uh, another one that is kind of overlooked, uh, one of the number one, not, not the number one, but a top deficiency is potassium because the, the average American should be getting close to five grams of potassium a day. I don't think we get anywhere near maybe two grams Wow, for, for the average person. So I've noticed with clients that have complained about this, like DOMS delayed, if I focus on increasing their potassium rich foods over the course of a month or so, they start to see that they're, and that could be a multiple, obviously that could be, maybe they're sleeping better, but sure. um, I've noticed that that tends to help as well. So besides the obvious one, people always talk about bananas, of course, but what are the more potassium rich foods that we don't think about as much? Well, a lot of people don't think that a, just a medium potatoes got almost a gram. Yeah. That's one fifth of your daily recommended uh, allowance of potassium. Yeah. Like wh- or white potato? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. And sweet potatoes. They're both about the same. It's good to know. So if you have one, how much, how many uh, are milligrams are in a banana? Do you know offhand? About 400. So, I mean, if you get just a potato and a banana a day, you're one point, you're already you're on the way at least. Yeah. Uh, I know, I think it's five cups of spinach is about 1500. Milligrams, okay. pre-cooked five cups before you cook it. Yeah, yeah. Which is like which a fingernail. When if you, you <laughs> yeah, when, when you cook it, it's like nothing. Yeah, yeah. That's good to know. Cool. Um, okay, so that that was number four. Good, good questions. Yeah, number five. Are there any natural remedies that can help improve sleep quality, or are there any other just tools uh, that can help with that? With with sleep quality. I mean, I definitely find magnesium to be very, very helpful. Since I started taking that nightly, I, I, and I notice the nights if, I, if I'm on a trip or something and I forget to take it, I, I don't sleep as restfully. Mm-hmm. So that's the main one for me. And maybe some, you know, uh, carbohydrates before bed, believe it or not. Nothing crazy. You shouldn't yeah, yeah. be having, you know, like unhealthy stuff. I forget exactly what, um, and I don't even remember who it was, it was that I was either listening to or, or reading about. Somebody said it depending on what kind of carbs it is, but like like a spoonful of honey before you go to bed yeah. can help your brain just like shut down, yeah, like in a good way. But and and now that I'm bringing it up, I don't remember exactly what it is. But um, my wife and I for the past like two months have been drinking just a little bit of dark cherry juice before like an hour before I go to bed. Yeah. It puts me out like night. Yeah. Okay, I don't know what it is. It it, it has a lot of melatonin. 
There you go. Which is, I mean, that's the thing right there. It's I, a natural source. Well, there you go. 30 minutes, you would have thought I drank a bottle of Well, there you go. You just hit yeah. it on the head. I'm one of the natural out. sources, the one of the best, because that's literally natural. I mean. Yeah. It's just ter- cherry. You said tart cherry juice, right? Dark, dark. Yeah. Dark cherry juice. Get it from Harris Teeter in a glass bottle for like eight bucks. And it lasts like three weeks. Because you don't need a whole lot. Like we, I'll put like, nobody can see like, me like, this. Like, like an ounce. Like, I'll put, yeah, like an ounce. And then I'll, I'll mix it with seltzer and put lime juice in it. So it tastes pretty good. So though. it tastes like, tastes like a cherry lime a little, soda. Uh, yeah. But it knocks me out. One thing people don't realize, you can correct me if I'm wrong, D'Lo, because I know that this nutrition is your thing, but protein before bed is not always the best thing. It keeps your brain going. I know that it, I used to drink protein shakes before I went to bed, and it certainly c- creates problems. Right? Yeah. Well, like you were saying with the carbohydrates, it's a, a positive insulin response yeah. is inhibiting your stress hormone, yeah. which is bringing you down in that relaxation mode. Yeah. So, so, you know, another another absolute people, carbs before bed are bad. <laughs> it depends, right? That's why the rest of the day you should be eating pretty clean and getting the right nutrition. You know, if you have some quality carbs before bed and you sleep better, mm-hmm. that's wor- that, that eight yep. hours of sleep yep. is going to be a whole lot better than the carbs you spared by having a protein shake when you didn't sleep. You slept four hours. So and quality is probably the key word there because the average person that has carbs before bed is probably eating a sleeve of Oreos. And right, it's, or it's ice cream. The, the, or yeah, like the processed yeah, sugar is no. probably keeping your yes, brain no, hyperactive. I, I, like I'm not saying they have a pint of Ben and Jerry's <laughs> yeah, before bed. That's, it's got probably where, that's where people get that wrong. I no, think. you're absolutely right. 100%. Yeah. yeah, even just some fruit would be good. Something, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, just something to get you. One other one that I like to do, especially in the summer, uh, I started doing uh, three grams of glycine powder. Okay. Um, so it, it creates an exothermic reaction in the body. So it, it'll drop your core temperature by about one to two degrees. Okay. And that helps with facilitating the process of falling asleep. Because think about having a hot bath before bed. It raises your core temperature. The process of your body cooling itself down. Puts you into a sleep state. Same with just have, turning the air down, which is not always the most cost effective. But turning the air down, 68 yeah. degrees or whatever, is Seems like a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to do that down here in the south, though. Yeah. I got the, the AC's on 67, and I crank a fan. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Too hot. Um, okay, that was sleep quality. Number six, what are some effective stress management tools? These could be week, weekly, daily. Um, Every day, and this is... And this could be completely individualized because yeah. everybody's stress is different because I think we should understand that stress is perceived. So yeah. there's so many different things that fall under the stress continuum. I've been doing a lot over the past like month, changing certain little tiny things that has made me feel better overall. But one of the things, for me at least, in terms of stress is when I get home for the day, before I even walk inside, I spend like two or three minutes in my car just like mentally throwing everything out the window that happened in the day because number one for me, like I I like to have a very strict cutoff of like work and, and my at home life because uh, maybe my brain's a little hyperactive with too much sugar. But when I think about work, I just think about every little thing throughout that whole day, even if it was four hours earlier, like I still think about that. Like my brain is always turning. So when I get home for the day, like when I get done with here, today at 5.30 and I get home. Before I even walk in, I just sit in my car and just try to expel everything that happened for that day and just forget about it until that next day. Smart. Because then not only, it, it's helped me de-stress, but it's also helped me not bring any stress into the house. Because if, if I get home and all I have is leftover energy when I bring it inside to my wife, that's just not fun. 
Like, cause then I'm just in a irritable mood all the time. And so the past like three weeks, I've done that for like two or three minutes. I feel great. But that's a super important thing. I think a lot of our clients and myself can relate to that going home exhausted mentally and just like not having much to give to the family, which is not good. We're not, what are we doing this for in the first place? Right. Right. To give our family the best life they can. So what do you think? One, one tool I've been using a lot and I encourage all my clients to do it is walking outside. Yeah. Um, especially early in the morning, if you can get that early sunlight, it helps stimulate your circadian rhythm. Yeah. So it's going to, we already talked about how important sleep is, but I don't think anybody can handle stress. Well, if they're sleep deprived, they're not getting adequate sunlight throughout the day. Like their, their whole circadian rhythms off, like everything about how they started their day. And I think not, one that I've recently read was in a study is if you look at your phone in the first hour of the day, it does something with your brain that basically puts you in this stress cycle mm-hmm. f- perpetually for the rest of the day. So try that. That's one thing I've been doing. I'd say pretty consistently is not looking at my phone the first 30 minutes to an hour Tough to do that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our phone has got everything. Our alarm is on there. Our reminders are on there. I have constant reminders um, I would say from a stress management, more from a mindset and like strategic, obviously being well prepared yes. is always less stressful when we're not rushing around. Um, and then mindset wise, learning how to compartmentalize, like you said, I, if I can't control it and I know I can't, or I can't do anything about it that evening, what's the point of stressing out? I literally am just laying in bed. What am I going to accomplish laying in bed? <laughs> Nothing. Right. So, so happened, And I had to remind myself, like I woke up this morning, my dog was whining, it was like 4.30. I saw another hour, and I like I was laying there, and I was like, okay, I got this person. I'm like, what am I doing? I like 4.30. I'm going back to sleep. Like, I started to do it, and I caught myself. I was like, I'm not doing this. Listen, I've trained. I'll be stressed for another hour before my alarm goes off. Like, <laughs> chill out. Like, go back to bed. I have trained, actually, now that I know that, so your clients, well, all three of us have trained extremely wealthy clientele who are incredibly successful, who you would think have everything together. They can't fall asleep at night because they're thinking about their company. They're yep. thinking about their, and so it's it's a skill that we all need to work on. Is like how do we compartmentalize? Like again, if I can't control all these things, or if I can't do anything about it right now, man, learn how to literally be for that moment in time, be a sociopath, have no <laughs> have no feelings, just go to sleep, <laughs> right? And that's a skill we all have to work on. Uh, it's like uh, Ted Lasso have the memory of a goldfish. There you go. That's <laughs> such a good thing. It's true. Just forget about it. But that guy's the perfect example of that. Yeah. Just, um, all right. Last one. Number seven. Crushing. How can one maintain a healthy diet while managing a busy schedule for all our CEO types? I, I think the best answer is being prepared, like you said, to the last answer is you're going to meal prep every Sunday afternoon or whatever day works for your schedule. You're going to go to the grocery store, you're going to prep however many meals or alternative. If you've got the money and the finances to do it, just find somebody that's going to cook for you. That'll meal prep your meals. It is worth the investment versus I'm going to eat out like if you can for lunch and dinner. If you can a private chef or if you can get quality meal delivery service and you just, because, you know, you're working hard, you don't have time, you don't want to meal prep. I get it. I don't want to meal prep sometimes either. I pay for my meal prep sometimes. Yeah. And I'm not wealthy. Like the, I mean, you know, if they if they have the, the ability to do that, then it's how I always ask people, because people will say all the time, I, oh, man, I want to lose this. I want to gain this. Well, how bad, I mean, how much does that really matter to you? Right. Does it matter enough for you to make good nutrition choices? Because they'll be like, well, this weekend, you know, you know, our client, some of the clients, ah, hey, this weekend I kind of went out with the family and I uh, had this and this. I'm like, all right, no problem. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But then when you come back and say, man, I really want to tone up, 
you know? And I sometimes point back, if I know that their company does X, Y, and Z, I'll be like, all right, all right, Grant, as an example, if he's the CEO of a company, your company does this. If you guys did the opposite of that, would you be yielding the results that you're getting with the company? The company's, you're going to buy five different locations. Oh, no. Well, it's the same thing with food and sleep and everything we talked about and your 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 uh, leanness, right? Your muscle, your composition. Like, if it's not the right actions, it's not going to yield the right results. And then it's funny because they're all so smart and sometimes it just takes that little, and they're like, oh, of course, that makes sense. A little right? pif- epiphany. Epiphany, yeah. 100%, light bulb. So that's how I kind of approach it. And at the, I mean, at the very least, I think you said it the last time we were here, you were talking about a client that, that like travels. Like if you are going to eat out, at least take like two minutes to look up what, you know, don't order when you get there. Like know what you're getting prior to that and make a better choice based off of that. You know, or like if you're traveling somewhere, if, if most of the options are KFC and McDonald's, but you could drive two extra miles to get something that's halfway decent, like at least knowing that, like if you're not going to cook anything, you're not going to cook anything when you travel. But, but that, and then, I mean, I don't know. I, I think my answer is a little biased because I just, I've been cooking my own food for like eight years. Like yeah. I just, I'm, I'm in that routine enough already to where it's just like, I don't even think about it. It's just second nature. Like, Which is a good place to be. Yeah. I am not good about that. I value, I, I just don't, and I should. I think a lot of our clients are so busy that the food thing becomes a form of um, letting go. Does it make sense? It's that the one time they don't have to be so strict. They're strict in everything else, and that I want to eat. They don't want to. And I want to have it. a few drinks. Yeah, I, I just want to have fun. You know, they want to live life, and I get that. It's why we do a lot of weight loss here, but we would never do what I would call extreme weight loss here, right? Someone who's you know what I'm talking about like yep, because there's more of a psychological component to that than a physical component. Yep. And although I think, especially you, you could work with someone like that. I don't think it's our our. Forte, or we'd have to certainly work with a therapist yep. at that point. And I've had to refer out for that Absolutely, multiple times. Absolutely, because it's that's hard. where we have to know like our scope, right? Um, but yeah, I think it's something we have to, again, what do they really want? And what are they willing to do to get there? And that's the question we have to ask and find. I don't know what the exact stat is on this. I'd be, mm-hmm. I'll have to look it up. But mm-hmm. the, I'd be really curious to know how many Americans have had a food or eating disorder. Oh, yeah. in, in their, of any sort. Of any sort. Yeah. Because disordered eating is, is still an eating disorder. Yeah, people think it has to be, oh, bulimia or anorexia. No, it can be something more mild than that. It can yeah. be just overeating. It can be different things. So those are good questions. They all kind of tie in today, actually. If I think about every question that was asked, there's a relationship from all the questions together. For example, if we have a youth athlete, because one of the questions was about That was the how, first question. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, with disordered eating, are they eating enough? It all can tie in, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, it all plays off of each other. Because <laughs> haven't they done studies with TV and electronics? Doesn't that alter the way the child eats as well? Oh, I'm sure it does. Yes. There's there's a brain chemistry that changes where they want it. And, of course, they're seeing these little, I mean, they're all commercials, right? Like, my son, used to, when he was younger, Doritos. asked me, yeah, Dad, can we go get this? I'm like, what are they, Takis or whatever? There's like the, the yeah. I'm like, what did you hear about that? You saw it on, on, on the internet. Well, even, even in like grocery stores, like yeah. if, if you look at most of the aisles, like the cereal aisles, like the adult cereals are up at a higher spot. Yep. And Brilliant. like, and Height-wise, like, tricks and everything else is just, like, sure. Right, where the kids can see it. Yeah. yeah. None of that is higher up. Yeah, can I? They just didn't stock the shelves all that day. But, like, all that st- all the colorful stuff is down at the bottom where they see it. I think it's important for us to understand that it does all tie in. When we talk about training and coaching, we have to understand, listen, we're not your nutritionist, and, and so am I, a nutrition coach. But it's not what I – we have to have some understanding, though, and not give – what are most trainers at a – 
you know, a corporate facility, if they don't know any better, what do they typically tell their people, G-Money? What do they tell them? Just tell you start eating chicken and broccoli. Yeah, but what do they tell you calorie-wise? There's a specific <laughs> oh, number like they like to give. 2,000? No. no I was going to say like 15, 1,200. Boom. No, That's the one right there, dude. Low. The 1,200 one, I've heard it in yeah. 10 different facilities. I've, I've even heard as low as 800. Oh I used to, <laughs> When I was doing like, like 100 consults a month. <laughs> yeah. Well, because that, um, oh, what's Jesus. it called? The um, Those drops. Um, you know what I'm talking about? There was a diet fad that went, I remember this was like about maybe a decade ago. ago. Yeah, I remember what um, you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Human, oh, HCG. It was yes, human, yes. human chorionic gonadotropin. Because yes. they were, they were, they would subscribe them to these drink. Basically, it was a appetite suppressant drop. Yeah. Pregnancy litter, right? It's related to. Well, <laughs> yeah, but they were using it for weight yeah, loss. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So that's how they got it from me. And yeah. they, they had them, had them on 800 calories a day. <laughs> And I can't tell you how many how many women yeah. came in that were expecting that, that. Well, no, they they had experience doing that because that's one of the first questions I'll ask on a consult yeah. is what's your diet history and your duration what was the what was the duration of those and what was the depth how low did you go yeah like were you eight hundred calories low or yeah so people don't realize like that is. You might as well just fast at that point. Of course, you're gonna you almost be better off. Will I lose weight? If it, yeah, sure. You lose weight for a couple of weeks. You lose muscle. You'll lose the ability to be happy. <laughs> right? It, it, it's not sustainable at all. It's the, normally we tell people the opposite. But yeah, gee, I would say the average twelve hundred twelve hundred a.m. this morning. Well, yeah, but I'm saying twelve hundred. I would say maybe fifteen hundred tops. I would say the average. That's what I used to hear. I, I haven't been in that world for a few years now. But in that corporate fitness world, the, the, the you know, the, the big box. Man, that's what a run-of-the-mill trainer will tell you. 1,200 calories. That's what you got to have. If you do that, you'll lose weight. Well, yeah, because you're starving yourself. Yep. Talk to me in a month when you, your bench press or your whatever is going down. You're feeling weaker than ever. I'm losing weight, but you also yeah. look like you're about to pass out. You know what I mean? Well, we're, we're about health, man. We want health. We don't want this, you know? I want We want healthy clients that feel vibrant and good and happy and move well and play golf and whatever sport. We don't want people who are, like, miserable because how long does that last for? Not How, long. Who's sustaining that? You can't. No. I'd say literally probably three out of four of those women, I was doing a reverse diet from yes. the get-go. And yes. They were like, you're telling me to eat more? I'm yes. like, your metabolism is nothing right now. And they probably couldn't wrap their head around They couldn't that. get it. Yeah. And I was like, you're going to have to trust me. So counterintuitive, but it's <laughs> the correct thing. I've got a guy like that right now who was he was just eating far less than what he should have been and didn't realize it. And I mean, it wasn't the greatest quality of food either, but making him eat more is when the scale started going down. And he was very adamant. He was like, I, I eat good. I, I eat how I want. I don't really want any help with that. Like, okay, whatever. So, like, we just went on about our business. And, like, a couple months later, not really much has changed. I'm like, well, will you listen to me now? Like, let's just <laughs> yeah. try it. You know, you don't have to stick to it. Just yeah, try yeah. it. And, like, no, a month awesome. later, like, it, it's, it flipped. That's awesome. Good deal. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. Good questions for sure. Yeah. Well, July 4th will be, be here before we know it. So, we're almost at the end of June. Next next week's last last week. So. We're almost halfway through the year. Or is this the last week? This is the last week, right? Yeah, it's July first, end of this week. Yeah, tw- today's twenty six. Excuse me. So, um, but yeah, we will uh, catch you guys very soon. Um, I think the next episode I'm going to be interviewing uh, Laura on um, the benefits of CBD. Nice with a local company or local to North Carolina. So. Um, and then we'll be returning with you guys uh, in July for that Q and A, and sure a few other guests. I might this, have this some summer. other people, some other people lined up that are a little bit, um, yeah, just different, like different maybe clientele, martial arts or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I already, already, already think right. that way. Yeah, so yeah. 
Good deal. All right. Awesome, Thanks, guys. guys. See ya. Awesome.